0: Welcome. We're going to get some house lights, guys. I want to see you. I can't see I heard you, but I can't see you. Oh, there you are. Hey, you're real people. (laughs) Nice. It wasn't a recording. Uh, Last night it was. Nobody was here. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Hey, welcome. All of you new folks, all of you old folks, all of you young folks, all of you really old folks like me, uh, all God's folks, great to have you here today. Uh, So we're going to have a good time. Let me just mention a couple things. Uh, For several years, we've done this thing called Message Discussion Groups. And we take a really good series that would allow you to really engage and have discussion about it. And we do these groups. And last year, uh, the series we did, we had 40 groups. It was amazing. And so these are set up for February this coming year. And we do a training in January. But what I'd like to know is if you would really take a risk, maybe you've never done this before, and open up your heart to either leading or hosting this, or attending. Right now, we're developing leaders for this. So if you would please contact us through the website, let us know if you're available for that. Uh, What I know is this has happened many times. There are groups that we started years ago when we did this. These folks gel; They're a community now. They've gone through life, ups and downs together. It has that potential. I'm not saying every group does that. If you just go in for four weeks, and it's great, and it's done, that's fine. We're okay with that. But many of these groups have really connected. So really open up your heart to that. We'd love for people to host, people to lead, and people to come. Last is, I want you to know the day we're living in, unfortunately, we have to require for our church, for your protection, a security team. This morning as you came in, we have several men and women that are involved throughout this church looking out for your health and wellness. It's sad we live in that world, but I'd like to say thank you to these men and women who literally protect us who are going to put their life on the line for each of us today, especially when I preach. People want to shoot at me. So, you know, so they're, 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 they're here. If, you, if you're here and you're going to shoot at me, better watch out. Anyway, no, I probably shouldn't joke about that. Anyway, but we'd love to uh, uh, invite many of you. Maybe you're a military background or a first responder background, medical background, or, or maybe you're just interested in that area. Please contact me. Let me know. We'd like to develop more for this team. These uh, men and women have been working very hard, and we want to really uh, build that team. It's a unique ministry in a church now. Uh, so if you can't sing, if you uh, can't uh, dance, uh, if you can't preach, if you, can't, if you don't like kids, <laughs> I got a place for you. So just contact me. All right, we're in this series. It's a little different flow. As you know, Pastor John last week just said, hey, we talked about, okay, we know that there's one Christmas story. How do you change that? Year after year, pastors have to come up with new creative ways to talk about Jesus' birth, and that's a good thing. But we thought, wouldn't it be fun to really just make this more of a warm, personable type series, and we've titled it, My Favorite Story?, and Pastor John began last week with a great message. If you didn't get to hear it here, go online and get it. So we're going to be a little more, uh, less uh, whatever. We're just going to be personable, okay? So today, I need you to respond. Will you respond? Because yes. I've got questions for you. Uh, if you like something, say yeah. If you don't like something, don't say anything. And uh, remember, we have security in the audience here. So. Anyway, so uh, let me ask you this question. From your own experience, what do you think are the elements that make for your favorite Christmas? Give me some thoughts. Joy, Joy what else? Family, family great. Food. Food, I like this guy. <laughs> We're going to lunch. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> we should, anyway. <laughs> what else? Food, family. Jesus, Jesus? Yeah. pretty good. We finally got there. Usually <laughs> that was the first, but you're Sunday 9, you're still sleeping, I get that. What else? Yes. Giving, great. So, tradition, good. Any more? Music, Music. great. Yes, Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Where's John? <laughs> we'll talk about my friend John in a minute here, anyway. So uh, I asked the teaching team this, and here's what they came up. Most of what you said: family and friends, presents, movies and music, food and parties. Jake said booze. <laughs> I think it was joking. I think uh, this this thought is really true. There seems to be at Christmas a spirit of joy and generosity. Uh, and, and, and then obviously Jesus. And, and as we come to Christmas, we really do focus on all these aspects of the Christmas season. If I said this, you'd probably realize in this question that is that enough? Because at Christmas time, there is this great sense of festivity and joy. But as you know, a lot of people really don't participate or enjoy that. And there's reasons, and we'll talk a little about that today. So if we talked about my favorite story or stories, it's going to really go around two of my favorite Christmas movies, all right. And so I'm going to. Have you ever heard of a mashup? I, it's a new term to me, but they take one thing and put it to another thing. I want to give you a challenge today. I was trying to think of, of what what kind of great Christmas songs could you put together to be funny, and I failed miserably. For example, Silent Night, Oh Drummer Boy, or Little Drummer Boy, that just didn't work, did it? Or Up on the Rooftop. We Three Kings. If you come up, I got some last night. If you come up with one, email them to me, all right? And and I'll use those in the future. But if you can picture two songs coming together, uh, let me know. So that's a little challenge for you. So uh, the two movies for me was It's a Wonderful Life and The Christmas Carol. So I have my message subtitled today, It's a Wonderful Christmas Carol, okay? You got it? All right. Wonderful Life, George Bailey. I was uh, probably in my mid-20s. Turner Broadcasting came out with a network uh, and was added to the cable channel. And uh, he was looking for a product to put on. And so uh, a lot of movies go out of copyright and they're free. So he found It's a Wonderful Life was available and it played all the time on that channel. And so I'm literally wrapping Christmas presents. One uh, Christmas, the kids and Brent had gone to bed. And I love James Stewart. And all of a sudden I see this movie with James Stewart and I watch it. Now, I'm a little sappy. I'll just be honest. And so I watch this It's a Wonderful Life. How many have, have seen It's a Wonderful Life? All right. I, I'm always amazed. Some people haven't. Who have not seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life? All right. We're not going to lunch. <laughs> if someone next to you raised their hand, look at them, smile, and say, Bah Humbug. Okay? <laughs> You got to watch the movie. Now, yeah, it's black and white, and Jake and I talked about his kids wanting color, and they've got a colorized version. I'm a purist. It has to be black and white. This means nothing to the message. I'm just rambling. But anyway, here's the reality What's the story about? Y'all know if you've seen it, George Bailey. This is a guy, he's just a good guy. He has dreams, he has aspirations, and none of them come true. And he just gets by in life and setback after setback. And then finally, there's this major crisis. Everything's going south. And he just wants his life to be over. And he's at this bridge and uh, he jumps in and this angel rescues him. And he says and says to this angel, I just wish I'd never been born. And the angel grants him that wish and shows him what his life and the world would have been like without him. And I'm watching this movie in my mid-20s and I'm just bawling. Oh, man, this is amazing. And I'm, I, I, I'm not being facetious here. It really made me look at life differently. And and I know we don't see the value in us. And here's a reality today I want to tell you. God sees great value in you. You may not see that. You may not realize the importance of your life. But it would be an interesting thing if we could just see what life would be without us in here. Think about the amazing point of that. And I thought that message should be something we should always keep in mind. Now, Christmas Carol... The first time I saw this, this is going to date some of you, it was the Magoo version. You remember Mr. Magoo? How many remember Mr. Magoo? Oh, I love that. I mean, I'm a kid, I watch A Christmas Carol. It wasn't as scary because it was a cartoon. And then later on, the best version, I think, is the one with George C. Scott as Scrooge. That's an amazing one. And they've done a good job. It's an old movie now. But we watched that. And if you've seen that movie, The Ghost of Christmas Past, His partner, uh, Marley, comes to him and tells him these ghosts are going to come. And so this Christmas past takes Scrooge on a journey. He sees his life as an unhappy child. And then as a young man, more in love with money than his fiance, and he loses this bride. And then the ghost of Christmas present shows Scrooge. His clerk, it takes him to Bob Cratchit's house and, and the joy that they have, yet in the midst of that little tiny Tim has illnesses and things that are very difficult for that family. Then he takes him to his nephew Fred's house, and Fred had invited him to their Christmas celebration, and Scrooge obviously declined, but he watched the fun that they were having. And then finally, the ghost of Christmas future comes, terrifies Scrooge by showing him visions of his own death. The ghost's journey through time, they teach Scrooge the error of his ways. When he wakes up on Christmas Day, he opens the windows, he has a whole different perspective of life, and he just is so excited about Christmas. He goes and gets food for the tiny Tim and them, and then he goes and spends the day with his nephew full of Christmas joy. Now, I was thinking, why are these movies my favorite? I mean, there's good Christmas movies out there, right? Elf, The Grinch, those are profound, but why did this one really grab hold of my heart? And I realize this. It's because these movies represent a second chance. Is there anyone here this morning that just says somewhere in your life you would love a second chance? You wish you had a do-over, something that happened, you made a decision, a mistake took place and you said, if I could go back and do this over, I would love to do that. You know what? I'm sitting here thinking, that's what Christmas is really about. That's what Jesus' birth is really about. It's a do-over. It's a a failing of our life in sin. And Jesus says, I will come and give you a new abundant life. You can have a do-over. And he does that in our life. So I took this message today and I worked it around kind of the idea of the past, present, and future from the Christmas carol. I'll tell you about my Christmas. Christmas as a kid, I had a great family. John talked last week about the difficulties he had and the rough Christmases growing up. Mine was the exact opposite. My folks were amazing. My mom, she just would make Christmas wonderful and, and, and dad would just pay for Christmas and that was wonderful. <laughs> <coughs> and I remember Christmas. How many of you remember gifts that you got as a child? A specific gift What was that gift? Can you tell me? A sled? A what? A bike. Mine was a bike. Schwinn. No speeds. One speed. In Colorado, you learn downhill is the best speed. Trust me. And we lived in Green Mountain and a lot of hills around Green Mountain. Oh my goodness. I tried to figure every which way to go around the hills, but anyway, I remember that. I remember coming down our steps and going in and the trees decorated and letting all these gifts and there's this big old Schwinn bike. The excitement and the joy that we had as a child with Christmas and the wonder and I love that. And I had great Christmas. We had great traditions. So I remember we would go to my great grandmother and my grandmother. They lived uh, in Inglewood and they had this old classic craftsman house. And we would go there. And all of my mom's family would cr- cram into that house. It's wall to wall people. And here's this amazing experience, weird experience. All right, we were all Germans, okay? We would fix spaghetti. Why? Schnitzel, sausage, sauerkraut. Should have been there. We were abused. We had to eat spaghetti (laughs) as German people. No, I love spaghetti. I think it was just cheap. But here's what I remember. My mom and dad came to know Christ. My dad was literally delivered from alcoholism. And so we came as a family and never drank. But her family drank a lot. They took Jake's advice. They had Christmas and booze. (laughs) And I remember our first Christmas coming with Brenda after we recently got married. One of the uncles grabbed Brenda, throws him on a lap. And I'm 18. I don't know what to do. I look at my mom like, Mom, what do we do? This guy's drunk. He's grabbing my wife. And my wife's looking at me like, you better do something. And I looked at my mom. Mom, what are you going to do? <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, that was our Christmas memories. But really a special part of that, really, even drunk Germans, there's a spirituality to them. My great-grandmother, she would read the Christmas story in the German Bible. A lot of phlegm in German language. <laughs> anyway, silent you know. Anyway, it's great. I remember that. But we would drive home, and we would just be so filled with joy of being a family and being together, and that, that our family really didn't have all that because of what Jesus did in my parents' life. That was quite Amazing. We grow up, and, and, and I go off to college, and I meet Brenda my first semester there, and, you know, uh, poor little Bible college guy, no money, and I had, I think, around 25 bucks, and I, 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 you ever hear the thing about the love languages? All right, mine was gift. I didn't know. That book wasn't out by then, so I was clueless, so um <clears throat> I, I, worked so hard at hearing things that she would liked. And I took that 25 bucks and I bought a few of these presents and I was so excited, like, this is gonna rock her world. I'm gonna win her heart. She's gonna love me because these gifts are so awesome. And I present these Christmas gifts and she goes, oh, nice. Nice, these are awesome. I wish I have known love languages. Truthfully, this is not a lie. For years, I just would express my love and gifts. All along, if I'd have known all she wanted me to do was the dishes, I would have saved a lot of money. Hers was acts of service. It would have been great. I'll tell you, uh, about five years ago, maybe six now, um, we'd, we'd, we'd been able to spend Christmas together all of our life. And until Heather, my daughter, was having a baby uh, right after Christmas, and Brenda was always there for the kids for that. So we had to have Christmas early, and and so um, I put together a gift that represented our vision and our scripture verse that God had shown us, and we'd been enjoying the benefit of that for years. And I put together this big mural, and, and it was very artistic, and, and <clears throat> she finally did come to the place where gifts meant because she knew that was my love language and i remember uh, i was finishing up i'd come home from work and i had a frame to build and i put it and put it all together and she came down and she sat down and she saw that and it, she knew what it represented in our life and it wasn't just a picture it was it was our life it was our heart and she began to weep she says i just can never ever give you gifts like this and i want you to know how much i love you and as clear as the holy spirit speaks to us I remember saying, God, this is a good thing. I said, I give Christmas, but you make Christmas. And a light came on and a realization of her gifts and her ability to make Christmas wonderful for us as a family just all came together for her. And never again did she worry about that. That was an amazing moment. So we have traditions, and you have traditions. Someone mentioned that. Our traditions are probably similar to most, except for one years ago, uh, Christmas cookies. Anybody here do Christmas cookies? All right, I do Christmas cookies. I do Christmas cookies. <laughs> I, I, you know, and she had this great recipe, and, and, she, and, and the kids would decorate them, and, and we had those, those tube things you squeeze. I don't know what they're called. You know, you put the tips on them frosting bags, thank you. And, and we would have contests, and the kids would love it, and we'd do that. I found out something. You know what? This is true. Adults get into this way more than kids. I do parties, Christmas parties. I did a New Year's Eve party once. We brought out the cookies. I'm telling you, it was vicious. Of course, a gift card to Starbucks was a little bit more motivation. I had a guy, he's a friend of mine. He's a computer whiz, smart, very intelligent guy. Man, he was biting his tongue, squeezing that stuff. And he won. He was really good. But Christmas cookies was a big part of that. And we loved doing that. And so one year she was doing Christmas cookies and we had like a thousand cookie cutters. All right. We probably had literally a whole tub filled with cookie cutters. She had a Christmas tree shape, a big one. And so uh, one of the things that we'd done for years, she did a homemade pizza. All right us Germans. We just like Italian food. That's all it is. Let's be honest. And so uh, she would make, and the kids would make their own pizza, put all their sauce and toppings and things that they like. And so it was around Christmas time. And she just said, I got an idea. And she took that big Christmas tree and cut out the dough in the shape of Christmas trees. And so what she did that night with the kids is said, we're going to make Christmas pizzas. And so they decorated their Christmas pizza like they would ornaments on a tree. And it became a tradition year after year. And even as adults, my kids now, they do that with their kids. And the final tradition that we had would we'd watch a movie, It's a Wonderful Life. No surprise there. Now, when my kids were little, they weren't really tied into it, but they would watch it. But when they got to be teenagers, they got to be irritated. They knew all the lines, and they would mock them. And I would get so mad, like, this is a serious movie. Don't be mocking George Bailey. And they would like all the lines. If you know the movie, you know, when he gets the suitcase, I want one this big. And the movie freezes, and my kids always, they know all the lines. And I I got to the point where I said, just get out of here. I don't want you in here. Don't watch this movie with me. And I thought for sure that tradition would be gone. But guess what my kids do now? They watch It's a Wonderful Life with their kids. And someday their teenagers are going to do the same thing to them. Thank you, Jesus. There is a God. So I, I, I want you to take this out of that. All right. I grew up with great Christmases. Even early on in my marriage, there were struggles and things. But forever, whatever reason, Christmas, would all come together. would treat each other nice and have good times. That's all I knew. And every time I would meet somebody that was just really grumpy and just they hated Christmas, I thought they were a scrooge. I thought there was something wrong with them. But what I didn't realize, what I didn't understand, is that some Christmases aren't great for some people. There are reasons. There are relational difficulties that some people go, financial difficulties, health, And all these things add up to Christmas, not really having the kind of joy that you want. And maybe you're here today, maybe that's your Christmas. I wanna tell you, I didn't understand that, but I do now. And I want you to know, no matter what you're going through, God loves you and I'll share some truth of how he can help you through that. So the experiences that we have, those shape our frame of reference. It's important to understand that. Because as a community, as a group of people, we need to realize that not everybody's experienced the same thing, good or bad. If you have good Christmases or good experiences, (coughs) excuse me, you expect the same. Don't you expect every year Christmas to be good if they've been good? Isn't that your assumption? But if you've had really rough, rotten Christmases, don't you expect that next year it's going to be rotten again? It's just not going to be good. And you build this frame set in your mind, and that's how you think. In Ecclesiastes, I wouldn't do the whole chapter, but three talks about a lot of things. But I love this verse. There's an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. The reality is, is if you live long enough, you're going to experience the good and bad. You're going to experience a lot in your life. Be aware. That that's not where you're always going to be, good or bad. Be aware that there's others around you that are experiencing maybe something different. As a believer, as a person with compassion and love, reach out to those, love those, and there's things that we can do. And so I was thinking, is there one favorite Christmas story? I, I couldn't. There were so many great Christmas stories, so many special stories. We had Christmases where we didn't have no money, where literally a trip to Walgreens was our Christmas shopping. They have good little cheap gifts. I don't know if you knew that, but man, they've got a lot of little stuff that kids love. And let's face it, kids just like opening presents. Just open a present, put in their hi, ha-ha, whatever. They're happy. Put a piece of candy. Anyway, we learned that. We had Christmases where we had, you know, a lot more resources and we made it big and created big expectations for next year. Let's go back to there's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. But today I want to just share truly one of the most meaningful Christmases. A few years ago, and you know the story I've shared if you've been here, and and the Lord has just been an amazing, amazing process of journey and what God has done. And so Brenda went through cancer, and they did all sorts of treatments, experimental treatments and all that kind of stuff. And so... um, in October, uh, a couple of years ago, the doctor said, Look, there's just nothing more. We just don't have anything that can help. And he just said, You have about three months to live. Now, there's a value to that that you don't really understand until you really experience that. And so, thank God, he gave us four months. But let me tell you, that Christmas was more meaningful than any Christmas we ever had. Why? Because we took on this attitude that every day counts, every moment counts, every little thing counts. And you know what? We live our lives every day rushing here and there, doing this and that, forgetting that this day counts. Today, this day counts. Today, the Broncos may lose. Probably. (laughs) Sorry. But what counts? What really counts? The life you share, the moments you share with God, with one another, within the community that you live. What matters? It isn't the perfect gift. And I'm a gift giver, and I always look for the perfect gift. But at the end of the day, the perfect gift is Jesus who has come to give us life abundantly. And even in the face of death, you can have that abundant life, and you can have so much joy, so much joy in that. The most meaningful Christmas I ever had. We had so many wonderful memories and moments. I remember curling up in bed. (sighs) Sorry, guys. I watched Hallmark movies. (laughs) They're all the same. (laughs) John gives me grief. And he tells me I'm living it. And he's right. I'm living a Hallmark movie. I really am. It's crazy. You know what's funny? This is not an exaggeration. Trust me. When you watch them this year, how many are going to watch Hallmark movies? come on guys, raise your hand. (laughs) I watched him. Let me tell you what, I'm not a fan, but because Brenda wanted to watch him, I became a big fan. And literally, I I admit, I'd cry. I knew the outcome every time. I knew. I knew. I'd cry. Different city, different jobs, same story, same decorations. You watch. Same Christmas trees in every one. I'm <laughs> doing it. <clears throat> we, we got... You have a morbid humor when you face death. Every... You test this. Every Hallmark movie, always usually at the beginning, somebody dies, and mostly from cancer. And it just, all of a sudden, watching every one of those, we started laugh like, how crazy is this? And it was really interesting... And we could just spend that moment together. That, that is my Christmas past. That's, that's what I experienced. And all that led to this. And I, I've got a couple pictures uh, of our last Christmas. This is Brent out in front of the uh, uh, house with the Christmas decorations. And then uh, we have Christmas cookies with the grandkids. Let me tell you, they all came from far close to share. And we had, uh, I had a lot of pictures of the kids and grandkids. Uh, Let me tell you, please get this. Every moment counts. You're so busy. You're so rushed. You're so just thinking about all these things that are so cut and picking important. And I'm going to tell you, they're not. They're not. Live the life God has given you. Love the people God has put in your life. Take the time to enjoy the moments you have. And that's not coming from a man who's grieving. It's coming from a man who looks back with treasured memories and am grateful for that chance to do that. Now, you have in our present, the present that we live in, you have a choice this Christmas. I I do know some of you. I do know some of your life. You've shared that with me. I know some of you are in a really tough thing. I know some of you are going through a very difficult marriage issue or something with your kids or something with your health or something with your fi- I know for a fact because you've shared that. And I don't know everybody here, but I know the odds are that many of you are. So I'm going to challenge you today. Will you let your circumstances dictate your Christmas experience? Will you choose to find Jesus in every bit of that life that you're living and have hope because of what Jesus said? about joy coming, about hope coming. I want to talk about hope in a minute. Will you let God's eternal truth be the focus of your Christmas? So how do we do that? There's a really good path in us to do that. And the first starts with a simple, amazing verse out of scripture. Our part is to abide. And the reality of Christmas is that we just don't spend much time with the baby Jesus that came and become a man and came for us. John 15, 4 says this. Remain in me. Remain. That idea of just spending time in me and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. I think we do that very well at Christmas. We just, it's all about Jesus. He's the reason for the season and all the bumper stickers that you read. But it's cut off. And it says, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You get to choose. I read this article last Sunday in the newspaper. I want to read it. This is an interesting take on our culture. Christmas has grown up to be our fabulous supersize Xmas. Christmas is officially no longer an abstract religious concept. It's full of high fashion, low-ball humor and witty quips, and it doesn't mind if you get a little drunk in the house. If Jesus was a drag queen who took a month off from his sacred duties to throw a party for all his drag queen friends, it would look a lot like this Christmas. Now, I'm going to tell you, it shocked me. I want to make clear, Jesus loves every person, no matter what issue, sexual issue, gender issue. But Jesus didn't bring Christmas to throw a party for our sinful life. Now, okay, you're thinking like, man, we're religious people. We're spiritual people. We think, oh, man, that's a horrible thing. I'm going to reveal something very honest. I ask our teaching team, our pastors, all right? And I ask them, how much of your Christmas pushes Jesus out of your thought and experience every season? And every one of us said, it does. We're your pastors. We face that same dilemma. All of this Christmas stuff just gets pushed out, the Jesus part, because of everything else. And I thought that was so amazing that Jesus himself gets pushed out. And the truth of Christmas is truly about Jesus. And I'm not here to preach at you, I'm here to say I'm struggling with this too. I've really fought this through this week and thought, oh my goodness. I've got to be more abiding in Him. So, what is it that God gives us? Our part is to abide. His part is the most amazing part. It is grace. 2 John, this is a beautiful verse. It says grace, mercy, peace, which comes from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. He will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. Oh, my goodness. There are people that struggle right now. I wanna challenge you with this. There's a whole lot here. Give in to God's purpose and timing. Many of you know what God's purpose is for you, but you struggle with the timing. If you look at scripture, you look at that all of these great heroes of the faith that we read about, there was always timing involved. And it wasn't right away. How many would say, I wish God would answer my prayer right now the way I want? Anybody? The rest of you are liars. You've prayed for a parking spot at the front, I know. And God didn't answer that prayer. And you're still mad at God. No, the reality is, is that we can know God and know who he is and what he is in our life, but that timing is a tough thing. So what do you do? Let me just give you a couple of advices, okay? Wait, abide, get a sense of peace. Because that timing for whatever you want and whatever you need may not come when you think you need it, but it will come when God knows you need it. And that's huge. The other thing, and Pastor John says this many times, give away what you want. If you're wanting friendship for Christmas, do not wait for people to initiate. You make that choice. There are so many ways that you can give away what you want. I'm just going to challenge you with that. Now, John came to me, my friend John Kathleen. Love these guys. I love her. He's, anyway. <laughs> we have this running battle. Anyway, uh, John came up to me, and 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 I've made fun of Hallmark movies, and uh, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. Jesus says you have to forgive me. Uh, <laughs> truthfully, I really don't care, but anyway. No, I do care. Not about Hallmark movies, but... He walked up to me and he said something really interesting a couple weeks ago. He said, Terry, he said, you make fun of Hallmark movies, but you're living one. What is, what is, what is my past and present and what is my future? All right? And, and the idea that Christmas is hard and was difficult, that, that I and you, maybe many of you, have gone through stuff. Let me tell you a little story. My Hallmark movie did have someone die of cancer. And I shared in a message uh, uh, recently, a few months ago, whatever it was, about how God brought me through a grieving time into a time. And I remember sitting in the lobby while John was speaking and I was writing notes. And I remember the verse that he used was a hope and a future. And that came alive in me. And God really gave me this sense of closure with Brenda and I remember just saying, because the message was on restoration, I said, God, I don't get Brenda back. And I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being disappointed or angry at God. I am just being truthful. I said, I don't get Brenda back. This message doesn't make sense. And I remember just God speaking and said, who was Brenda to you? And I began to list the things that she represented in my life. And the Lord just said, you get those back. There was just this drop of hope put in my heart for my future. And from that moment on, I began to just build into my life and my way of thinking, I have hope, I have hope. And at the same time, there was a woman here at JFC that God was doing something similar. She was about to move back to her home in Missouri, but she just felt that the Lord said, stay. And in May, through a series of events, I ended up meeting this woman, began to date her, and began to realize this was my future. God put this woman, this hope, So recently, I went to Israel, and I got married, and I brought back a souvenir, a wife. Now, I know some of you know that. Many of you don't know that. Maybe some of this is the first time here. I want to show her pictures. This is Nancy. All right? I don't know why such a good-looking woman would ever want me, but, man, she did. So there is a God. Anyway, this next one is, uh, that is a halo. It should be a little further to the right and a little higher, but God knew what he was doing. Full moon. Behind us is the old city of Jerusalem. Last picture is Pastor John and Chris with us. Pastor John did the ceremony. Anyway, now we're blending two lives together. It's a brand new journey, okay? It's a new dance. Stepping all over her toes for sure. And when we talk about this idea of hope and future, and I talk about, and some of my single friends who I've been doing groups with and talking about just said, when is my turn? When do I get this? Nancy waited 11 years. I only waited a year and nine months. I don't understand God's timing, but it was the right timing. You You can jump in like Abraham and try to circumvent God's timing and make a mess. You have to have this faith and hope. So what is future? I'm going to finish with this, Romans 12.2. It's a great verse, but it's an exhortation for you. It's an encouragement. It says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's four steps there. Don't conform to this world's Christmas. Don't allow this world's way of thinking about Christmas be your way of thinking. But let God transform you into a new person. It just simply says the way that happens is that you start thinking differently. Let God change the way you think. And the truth of God is where we get that idea of how to think. And result, folks, a good and pleasing and perfect will of God. I want to pray. I want to pray for you today. I want to challenge you today to leave here and to say, I want to think the God thoughts that I should about Jesus and about my Christmas. I want to make the most of the relationships and opportunities I have. And if you're hurting today, I just really do want to pray for you. I want you to know there is truly a hope and a future, but do it God's way in God's time. Let's pray. Father, today I'm honored and grateful to have the privilege to speak to a wonderful group of people so kind of their patience and understanding. But I stand here with only one purpose, and that is that we would experience God where we're at, how we need Him, no matter who people are, no matter where they're at. Lord, if there are folks here just celebrating life, everything is good, I pray that they will leave here with this great sense of gratitude in their heart that this season is a good season with the awareness and the full understanding that maybe next Christmas things might be different. So let us be grateful for what we have. For those struggling and going through something difficult, Lord, you know my heart. You love them. They are precious to you. And even though they're feeling pain and difficulty, they're not far from you. Help them not to push you away, to push you out this Christmas season, but receive what Jesus came to bring, and that is life, and that is peace. As they abide in you and find in you that opportunity, that moment, Lord, we pray that they would experience what you have for them and that you would give them the patience. Lord, sometimes you're shaping us for a moment, and sometimes you're shaping another person for a moment. Sometimes you're shaping the situations for that right moment. Let us understand that, God, you're at work no matter whether we see it or not. So be with this church. Be with these people today. Let Christmas let Christmas, be about Jesus and his love for us. Amen. God bless you guys. JJ. Thank you, Pastor Terry.